Father, we trust and we acknowledge that you're here among us. Lord, that you come into the world in order that you may fill the world completely with your peace and presence as the waters fill the sea. So we trust you, Lord, that through Jesus Christ that we are part of this recreation. We are part of this new reality through the word made flesh. And Father, we pray that you would continue to renew our minds and our hearts and our bodies and our souls, that we may be increasingly carriers of your kingdom, more fully part of your recreated world, and even be agents to bring about change, to bring about that recreation in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So hopefully you'll have on the screen there a picture of a, a desert. And uh, if you'd imagine a man traveling through a desert like that. He's been traveling for days. He has no water. And not surprisingly, he is hot. He is desperately thirsty. And he realizes he's getting distressed. If he doesn't get water soon, he knows he's not going to live. He's going to die. So imagine that man's walking through the desert for that for days, and all of a sudden he comes to a sign in the desert. It's a sign for an oasis, a beautiful blue deep pool of water and beautiful trees surrounding it. And he is overjoyed. He's delighted. He grasps hold of the sign. This is fantastic. And this is an answer to his prayer. And he decides that he is so taken with the sign and so filled with hope about the sign that he doesn't want to leave it. Even though the sign says the oasis is only 300 meters away, he decides just to stay with the sign. It's such a lovely sign. It has such hope inspiring within him. He decides to stay with the sign. It would be a tragedy. Signs are wonderful. Signs are very helpful. But only if they are not our final destination. Signs are designed to point us on so we go to the place of life. And that's what John's gospel is all about. It's full of signs, and the signs point us to life. So in the midst of John's gospel, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says those wonderful words which encapsulate why he has come. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's referring to the devil. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So right there in the middle of the gospel, I'm sure John puts it there intentionally, right in the middle, that's what the gospel is about. It's about people finding life that has been robbed from them. And then the very, towards the very end of the gospel in John 20, 30, 31, we read that Jesus performed many other, this is John summarizing the gospel, 
Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. In other words, the whole idea of the gospel is that we see the signs. John hasn't even recorded all of them. He's just recorded some of them. But the purpose is that we see the signs. We move on from sign to sign. And the idea is that actually we get to the place of life at the end of it. And how does life come? Life comes through believing that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the Jewish Messiah, the one they've been waiting for. And he's also the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is God himself come in the Word made flesh. The very person who sculpted the universe and the cosmos and the stars and the Milky Way and the planets and earth and the moon, the very one who brought everything into being through speaking out his word is the very one who became a man, Jesus of Nazareth, a man in the flesh. God himself has become a human being in Jesus Christ. And what John is telling us is, is that the greatest signs of all that he points to throughout his gospel are the crucifixion and the resurrection. They are the big signs that all the other signs are pointing towards. But here's the thing, they are signs. You can know about the resurrection, you can know about the crucifixion, but not find life. Life comes by believing that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Son of God. Life comes through believing that through Jesus Christ, the big restart button has been pressed and a new creation is starting in the midst of the old creation, that God is making all things new. And all the signs are effective signs. Just like in our church, There are two sacraments, and sacraments are effective signs. So at communion and in baptism, they're not just symbols, they're effective signs. In other words, they affect something. We believe that in the midst of our sacraments that God's Holy Spirit is at work. Yes, there's water. Yes, there's bread. Yes, there's wine. But they are effective signs. The same is true of the cross. It is a sign, but it is an effective sign. And its effect is the reconciliation between heaven and earth. The resurrection is a sign. It's an effective sign, and its sign is that new life, new creation has begun. And it's all begun in the person of Jesus Christ. And so he has a resurrection body that can eat. It can pass through walls. It can travel from town to town. He can speak. He can touch. He can light fires. He can make breakfast. It's a resurrection body. It's his body, but it's not quite like the body that any of us are used to. That's the place where we're all headed, the place of having new bodies within a new creation. That's the core of our faith, that we believe that in Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, that creation itself is being entirely remade. We're not to stop at the signs. We're to go all the way through to the reality of trusting that God by his word has created creation and God by his word has become flesh and made all things new. 
And that's what our passage is all about today. That's what John, the, the writer of the gospel, wants us to understand. And so there are two healings, and they involve, well, they involve two men having an interaction with Jesus. The first man Jesus has gone back from Samaria. We met him in Samaria last week at the well. He's gone back to Galilee where he grew up. He goes to the town of Cana, which interestingly is the first place of his first sign, turning water into wine. And while he's at Cana, a man comes from a local town called Capernaum. And he says to Jesus, come with me. My son is dying. Come, come down with me now. And Jesus says something which seems quite surprising. He speaks to the man, but he's really speaking to everybody who's in Galilee. And he says to them, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. It seems quite a strange response. But the reason why the Galileans have welcomed Jesus is because they want more miracles. They want more signs. They've heard he does healings. He does miracles, and they want more and more of that. They want to slot machine God. They want to put the coin in, and they want to get a miracle that suits them whenever they want it. And Jesus says, unless you see signs, you'll never believe. But nonetheless, he turns to the man, and he says to the man, go, your son will live. Now, in that moment, the man has a very important decision to make. Does he keep saying, no, no, you come. No, you come with me. Come with me to Capernaum and heal my son. Or does he take Jesus at his word and does he believe and does he say, I'm going back to Capernaum. And significantly, he believes what Jesus says and he departs towards his home. On the way, he meets his servants. He's a royal official. He's a very influential, wealthy man. He meets his servants, and they say, your son is alive. He's he's well. And he says, when did it happen? And they realize at exactly the time Jesus said, go, your son will live, his son was healed. And the result is that he and all his household become believers. In other words, he doesn't stop at the sign. He keeps going, and he and his healed son and his servants and his wife and his family and his whole household become believers in Jesus Christ. They believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one of God, and he is actually the son of God. He is God in the flesh. Now then, John tells us another sign, and it's also one that involves healing. This time, Jesus goes back to Jerusalem, and he walks to a pool called Bethesda or Bethsaida. We know that that's a word associated with healing. There are hospitals throughout the world called Bethesda hospitals, and it's because it's a word, a name associated with healing. And so people were used to go into this pool and to seek healing. It wasn't just Jews, it was also Gentiles came to this pool because they heard it was a place where there was healing. It doesn't seem to be a place where there was much healing because there's a man who's been lying by the pool for 38 years. But Jesus walks in among the crowd. There's a man been lying there who has been lying pretty much motionless for 38 years. He's maybe carried places or he's fed and Jesus comes to him and speaks to him. He has no idea who Jesus is. 
he just takes him as someone who's in the crowd. And in the midst of the crowd, this stranger who doesn't know who he is says to him, do you want to get well? And the man gives a very feeble answer. He says, well, uh, every time the water is stirred, which was meant to be a sign that healing powers were available, every time the water stirs, everyone gets there before me. It's a pretty feeble response. But nonetheless, Jesus says, get up, take up your mat, and walk. And the man is instantly healed. He stands up, takes his mat, and he walks off. And Jesus quietly moves away into the crowd. Later on, Jesus finds him in the temple where the man presumably has gone to give thanks to God, to acknowledge his healing. And he says to him, see you're healed. Stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. In other words, Jesus saying is, well, there's a sign. You're healed, but don't stay at the sign. The sign is meant to lead you on to the next thing and the next thing. And it's meant to bring you to the place of believing because believing is the place of receiving. Believing is the place of receiving eternal life. Eternal life is to do with quality and quantity. Eternal life is to do with quality of life now but also quantity of life after death. That's what eternal life means. It's quality and quantity. As someone has coined it, it's not just pie in the sky when you die, it's steak on the plate as you wait. That's what eternal life is all about. And so, this man then too has a choice. Will he go beyond the sign? Will he stay at the oasis sign or will he go to the place of life? Sadly, I think what John is telling us is that he never makes it to the oasis. Because what he does is he goes and tells the religious leaders that Jesus is the one who has healed him and healed him on the Sabbath. And he knows fine rightly that will get Jesus into very hot water. So here are two men. They both encounter Jesus. A miraculous healing happens in the family of the first man and directly to the man at the pool himself. The first man and his family and all of his household, in fact, including the servants who came on the road to tell him the news, all of them go beyond the sign and all of them find eternal life. In the second instance, the man is healed for 38 years, he's not able to get up and walk. Jesus heals him, and he never makes it to the oasis. He never makes it to the place of life. He doesn't discover what eternal life is all about. This problem continues again and again in John's gospel. It's basically about, is our faith a science-based faith? Is our faith based on seeing miracles happen? Is our faith based on things working out the way we want them to work out? Or does our faith go beyond that to the place of believing 
that whatever Jesus says is enough. And so it, it comes to its sort of zenith whenever at the end of the gospel, Jesus is standing there raised from the dead and Thomas joins the other disciples and Jesus says to him, see, touch my hands, touch my feet, put your hand in my side. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are those who believe even though they have not seen. Blessed are those whose faith is not based on signs. Blessed are those who don't have to put their hand into my side or touch my hands and my feet. Why? Because they have gone beyond the sign, even the sign of the resurrection, even the sign of the crucifixion. They have gone past and through those signs which you have to go through and you have to go past because they are the way to eternal life. So I wonder today, do we believe not only in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but do we believe everything that Jesus has said? Do we believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God? And do we therefore believe that he was once dead and he is now alive? And he has ascended into heaven and he has sent his Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit takes up residence in the life of all those who believe that he is who he says he is. And do we believe that there is nothing, there is no darkness that he cannot illuminate. There is no physical ailment that he cannot heal that he himself can actually overcome our death and bring us into life. That there is no broken relationship that he cannot mend. That there is no one who is far from God that he cannot reach. That there is no broken circumstance that he cannot reconcile. There was once a, a police dog who was a fantastic police dog. She was fearless and she was fast and she was very effective at tracking down criminals. On one occasion, she was chasing one and the officers were behind her and she, was, she ran out as the, the perpetrator ran out onto the road. She ran out after him and she was knocked down by a lorry and badly injured. When they took her to the vet, they probably imagined they were going to put her down. She was badly injured. But actually they discovered she had a litter of puppies within her. And so they kept her alive for the sake of the puppies. And they were born, and they were born very healthy and very mobile, just typical healthy puppies. But a strange thing happened after a number of weeks because as the mom managed to get back onto her four legs again, because she was injured she would take a step and a step and then she would drag her back legs. as the only way she could walk, take a step and a step and drag her back legs. And after a few days and a few weeks, her puppies began to do exactly what she did. 
They were perfectly healthy, but they walked like this. They put their paws out and they dragged their back legs exactly like their mom did. She couldn't do anything about it. She couldn't show them how to walk properly. They just walked exactly the way she walked. And so what had to happen was they, they took the puppies and they allowed the puppies to spend time with other healthy dogs so that the puppies could learn to walk properly and to run. I believe that Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, here by the power of his Holy Spirit, is with us today because he is the chain breaker, he is the game changer, and he wants to bring physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing here today at home. He wants to do it everywhere. We know because we have read it and we've often experienced it, and many people have given testimony to that here in this church, is that God, through Jesus Christ, can heal people physically. I've seen it happen. I've experienced it myself. I've heard it many times. God, through Jesus Christ, can heal people physically. He can also heal people mentally. And I'm not just talking about those who would say, I have a serious mental illness. I'm talking about every single one of us. All of us, without exclusion, apart from Jesus himself, all of us are like the dog with the two hind legs that we drag behind us. All of us have patterns of thinking burned into our, synapt our synapses by which we think in certain ways which are unhealthy for us and unhealthy for people around us. And they are actually the places of healing that I believe are even more significant than physical healing. Many people can live their lives with a perfectly strong and healthy body, but because of what they have seen and learned and experienced and copied, there is a deep rut in which their life travels and they just can't seem to get out of it. I believe that Jesus Christ is here today because he wants to bring new patterns of thinking in our lives, ones that bring freedom, ones that bring joy because he's the great chain breaker. All of us will have records or tapes that we allow to play in our heads well, that'll never happen, or that's just the way it is, or, well, I have a short fuse, that's just who I am. Well, I always look at the glass half empty or completely empty, that's just who I am. I will always think this way, be this way, that situation which is broken, that relationship which is strained, that situation cannot change. Well, Jesus Christ is the game changer. He is the chain breaker. He is the one who can not only change circumstances, he can heal bodies, and he can also change the way we think if we're willing to cooperate with him. You see, the greatest miracle John is telling us is not that Jesus stood at afar and said, go, your son will live. 
It's not even that he said to a man who had been an invalid for 38 years, get up, take up your mat and walk. What John is telling us is this, the greatest miracle is that a man and his family go from a place where they do not believe and do not understand who God is to believing and understanding who God is and receiving eternal life by which they will receive forgiveness of their sin, by which they will travel through death and they will travel out the other side. That, John, the gospel writer, is telling us that's the big miracle. Are there circumstances in your life or in your family's life or among your friends or in nations or in governments that you've got to the place of thinking, I don't think it'll ever change. Well, I believe Jesus Christ is here today because he wants to change circumstances and change patterns. Are you here today and your thinking is, I would love to know what it means to have eternal life, but I think that because of my past, I'm barred. I'm too far gone. Then today's the day for you. Today's the day to take Jesus at his word and know that he is the expression of the Father's love for you. That Jesus on the cross is the sign that God loves you beyond your imagination. And it's not just a symbol, it's an effective sign. It changes everything. Or today are you here and someone you know or you yourself have an ailment or a pain or a weakness or a brokenness or a sickness? Whenever we come to Jesus Christ and we believe that he is God in the flesh, what we do is we say, as we said in that prayer early on, your will be done. In other words, I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to pray for peace. I'm going to live for peace. I'm going to pray that you're going to change the way I think. You're going to change my eternal destiny, but I'm going to leave it in your hands as to how that happens and when that happens, because I believe that your way is the way. But I want to walk in your paths of peace. Shall we stand? There are miracles that will never happen unless you ask for them. There are situations that will remain unchanged unless you ask for them. And keep on asking for them. Trusting the fact that in God's way, in God's time, we trust in his perfect will. But he requires that we ask and we keep on asking. So as we stand... I want to lead us in prayer. And perhaps as I've been speaking, there are situations or people or physical ailments 
or recurring negative patterns in your life or other people's lives that you want to see change. Bring them before God and say, Lord, I believe that you can do absolutely anything. I believe that you can bring nations from a place of war to a place of peace. I believe, Lord, that you can bring people from a place of sickness to a place of healing. I believe that you can take marriages that are under strain or broken and you can heal them. I believe that you can take people who are far from you, brothers, sisters, children, parents, friends, who don't know you, who have no interest in you. I believe that you can do a work in their lives that just is utterly amazing. I believe that you can take me from a place of darkness to a place of light, a place of death to a place of life. I believe that you have conquered sin and hell and death. I believe that you came to bring life in all of its fullness. And so, Father, these circumstances, these sicknesses, these patterns, these situations that seem hopeless, we bring them before you and we speak your hope over them in Jesus' name. And we say, your will be done and your kingdom come and your recreation happen in that situation. May nations be rebuilt. May families be rebuilt. May COVID be a thing that doesn't even get a mention anymore. May the economy be fixed. May nations at war become peaceable. May divided nations be healed. May sick bodies become whole. May those who are distressed in mind be at complete peace. May strained relationships be reconciled. Come, Holy Spirit, and pour out your healing. Come, Spirit of Jesus Christ, and bring your life. Come, Lord, we offer ourselves afresh to you, and we recognize, Lord, that you are the God who created everything, and you're the God who recreated everything, and we place our trust in you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. And as we stand, we declare our faith. Hopefully we'll have the Apostles' Creed come up on the screen. Here we go. I believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived.